0: May the words of my mouth and meditations of our heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to be here with you today. You know, it's so nice that we are Anglican and we're liturgical and we do have this Christmas season that goes on and on. Because I think every day this week I've gone, what day is it? What's going on? Where am I? Who am I? And it's just so simple because we can say it's Christmas. All is well. So I I really like that about our tradition. Today, I want to talk to you today about this reading from Galatians. And the big idea is really that we're no longer slaves, but sons. And I think as we've just gone through Christmas and we've celebrated the birth of our Savior, I think how important it is to really take on and think about the fact that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did. Just to kind of give a little overview or not really an overview, but what Martin Luther said about the Galatians. And I really liked it because it kind of summed up what Paul was trying to get at um, in this letter. He said, God accepts only the forsaken. He cures only the sick. He gives sight only to the blind. He restores life to only the dead. He sanctifies only the sinners. Gives wisdom only to the unwise. In short, he has mercy only on those who are wretched. And gives grace only to those who are not in grace. Therefore, no proud saint, no wise or just person, can become God's material. And God's purpose cannot be fulfilled in them. He remains in his own work and makes a a fictitious, pretend, false, and painted saint of himself. And that is a hypocrite. You see, Paul is really engaged in a battle for the gospel in this letter. He tackles issues about the Christian life, and he keeps justification by faith really at the forefront of this letter. Paul also spends quite a bit of time emphasizing that Christian life is not an exercise in self-effort, but is lived in total dependence on the Holy Spirit, and I think how often we miss that, how often we miss that piece that we're to live in total dependence on the Holy Spirit. We try so hard to do things ourselves. I think of this as being New Year's Eve, and of course we start saying, ah, should I make a New Year's resolution? And every year we'll go, yes, we're going to exercise, we're going to get up early and we're going to exercise, and we're going to lose weight, and we're going to eat healthy, and we're going to read our Bibles, and we're going to pray, and we're going to do all these things, and it's going to be great. And tomorrow morning comes, and it's January 1st, and we say, you know what, it's New Year's Day, I should be able to eat what I want to eat today, and have a good time, so We'll start this tomorrow, and so on January 2nd, we decide we're going to do this, and we grumble a little bit about getting up, and we do these things, and I guarantee you by next Sunday, if you made a New Year's resolution, it's already done with, it's gone, because you've been trying to do it on your own self-will, and I can tell you, that never works. It never works, no matter how hard we try. And I thought, really, that's kind of how the Christian life is. A lot of times we say, oh, Lord, we're going to do all of these things. We're going to get it together. And we miss that most important piece that Paul talks about in this letter to the church at Galatia in saying that it only comes as a result of dependence on the Holy Spirit. We have to have total dependence on Him. Otherwise, all these resolutions we make, especially the spiritual ones of reading the Bible, of setting aside prayer time, of being in a fellowship with one another, like all of those things really will fall apart if we're trying to do them on our own self-will. And so I think that's something we need to work on this season is figuring out how are we going to totally depend on him? Are we going to be prayerful about totally depending on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives? Or Are we going to try to go into this new year in self-dependence and self-effort? And today as we go through this reading, I really want to look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, which says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, that's the exciting thing because Jesus has come and lived and died on the cross and rose again. That we are no longer slaves, but we're part of God's family now. We've been adopted and we're heirs. So today, you know, you may look at this and think, well, I come from a really dysfunctional family. I come from this and we might have a model of the family that's not really what God's family looks like. I think of the youth ministry, and I know I've said this before, but in 2010 when I started in youth ministry and we had probably 15 to 20 students in the group at the time, most of the students came from mom, dad, and the kids type family situation. The majority of them did. The majority of them did. They came from homes that they were being raised in the faith. That's only 13 years ago. And I look at the youth group now, And now that's not the case. Most of the kids come from broken homes, being raised by grandparents, by aunts and uncles, by single parents. Whatever the case may be, they don't come from that model. There's a very small group of the 30 kids, 40 kids that come on a Wednesday night that really come from that normal family model that Christ made, that God made and intended for us. And I think how exciting it is for us, despite whatever type of family we've come from, that we are children of God, that we've been adopted into God's family. And it looks so different, maybe, than what we were used to here on earth. And we really need to soak in the truth that no matter what our families look like on earth, we do have a Father in heaven that loves us, that has a thrilling future for us. And because of that, we have hope. We have hope. I think that's just so encouraging as we go through this Christmas season to really reflect on the fact that we have been adopted as children of God. Yesterday I did a officiated a funeral over at Robert's Funeral Home, and it wasn't anybody that I really knew. And as I was officiating the funeral and I'd sat down and they're playing a song, I went, how awesome it is to sit here and know that I'm part of the body of Christ. To know that so many people have accepted Christ and that there is hope beyond this. As we sit there and it is sad to lose a loved one. And it's awful to go through it. And I know and I looked at the grieving husband and their daughter as they're burying their wife and mom. And how hard that is. But I thought how awesome it is that we have this hope that's in Christ that, can, that is a result of Him coming on Christmas, that is a result of what he did for us on the cross, and that we're part of that family. And we get reunited with all, everyone in heaven one day, and with our loved ones that place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, how exciting that is, even in the midst of these times of extreme sorrow that we all have to go through. And so leading up to this verse that talks about we're no longer slaves but a son you know Paul really kind of lays it out for us how we arrive there how we arrive there and it's pretty simple how we arrive there but sometimes I think we need a good reminder of it we need to be reminded of kind of the simple truths of the Bible he starts with that God sent his son you see this is the deity piece Jesus came and was fully God and then Paul says and he was born of woman he's a man he's human He has all the anatomy and physiology of us sitting in this room today. And I know sometimes that's hard to wrap our heads around. How can he be fully God and fully human? And you know what? I can't totally wrap my head around it. But I know that's what it required in order for us to be adopted as a son of God. It required a fully God and a fully human to do that in the form of Jesus And it says he was born under the law. He was born into a Jewish family, and and he was under the demands of the law. You know, I think sometimes we start to think, well, maybe Jesus got a pass from this. He was God. Maybe he got a pass. Maybe he didn't have to be under the law, but he did. And he lived out that law perfectly, and because of him living out that law perfectly, he succeeded where all of us had failed in the past. All of us had failed to keep the law, but Jesus came and fulfilled the law. I loved what Alistair Begg had to say about this. He said, he fulfilled all precepts as our representative and exhausted all its penalties as our substitutes. He fulfilled the law as our representative and then he went and took care of all the penalties as our substitute. Those penalties that should have been for us and he took those on on the cross And then Paul goes on to tell us why he's done this. He's done this so that we might be redeemed and be adopted as sons. We didn't receive what we should have received. He took that on. And we took his place and he took our place in that. And as a result, we get this great adoption as a son of God and we've been redeemed. So then we say, well, what does the law do exactly? What should the law do for us today? Well, the law really should be pointing us to Christ. It doesn't mean we still don't have to follow the law. These are great things. If you look at the Ten Commandments, those are still things that we should be living out because that's what followers of Jesus are going to do because that's becoming more like him. That's the sanctification process. And so the law really should lead us to Jesus because if we look at the Ten Commandments, it starts with you should have... No other gods before me. Guess what? We can't even get past the first one without messing up. Last year, in my small group that Caleb and Sam Armstrong are in and some other guys, we did this book called Counterfeit Gods. And it really looked at what things take the place of God in our lives. What things do we elevate And you know, Caleb works for the church, he's on vestry, and Sam's the youth minister at the church, and I'm a priest. And of course you kind of go into those studies going, oh no, we've got this one together, we're not struggling with this one. Of course we keep God first, we have no other gods. But as you delve into this book and it goes through pride and power and money and all these different things that we deal with, guess what? We all identified in our lives things that were taking the place of God because of that study. All of us have things in our lives that we often elevate to take the place of God. And it's so hard because sometimes we don't even see it. And I think we couldn't even get past the first commandment to have no other gods. And we struggled with it. That's how badly we needed a savior, that we couldn't even get past the first one. And now while the law should be pointing us to Jesus, it should make us recognize that we're a sinner in need of a savior, Satan kind of comes and twists us a little bit. As I was thinking about this, I said Satan really comes and does a couple things, one of which Satan can make us really guilty when we don't, when we can't keep the law. And if we're not a person that has Jesus and we're not really dedicated to him and committed to him, that guilt will often lead to despair. Because we go, how am I going to get through this? If God's demanding this of me and I keep failing at it, what am I supposed to do? So if you have a works-based mentality, you're always going to be led to despair. And that's where Satan wants you. Because you're never going to grow in Christ as long as you're having this work-based mentality. The second thing I thought of is that instead of the law proving to me a sinner in need of a savior, Satan can kind of twist it to prove how holy we are. We can become like a Pharisee and we say, you know what, I'm keeping all these laws. I'm really good. I've done what God's called me to do. I've become a missionary. I became a deacon. I became a priest. I'm a Eucharistic minister. I'm a subdeacon. And we start to build these things in our head and say, oh, I'm really something. I'm really something. And see, that's where Satan wants you to. Because how much do we struggle today with people that really don't recognize that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And that's where God wants us, because you're never going to come to God, you're never going to accept Jesus, as long as you keep thinking, I've got it all together. And that's exactly what Martin Luther was getting at in that first thing that I read to you. It wasn't about people that had it all together, because he said those are the ones that are fictitious, pretend, false, and a painted saint of themselves. It's the ones that realize they're sick, it's the ones that realize I can't do this on my own. I need someone to take my place in this because there's no amount of trying, there's no amount of self-will that's going to prevent me from falling into sin. And as I think about these things and I think of us leaving 2023 behind and starting this new year, you know, my hope really for Christ the King, for those of us that worship here on Sundays and come to the classes and stuff, I really hope that we take on an attitude that we are adopted as sons and daughters of Christ. And because we're adopted, we want to grow. We want to grow. We don't want to just come up with these New Year's resolutions and then, eh, next week we just in our normal routine because that's what happens. I want us to be a people that are growing in 2024. And that applies to every single one of us. All of us need to make that a priority in 2024. Because I think of Hebrews 5, when it says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And I think how often all of us struggle with these things. Sometimes we need basics. Sometimes we need the basic of Jesus came, Jesus lived, he did all these things, and he died on the cross for our sins. Sometimes we need the basics of hearing that we have been adopted as a son and daughter of Christ because of what he did for us in coming on Christmas and dying and rising again on Easter. Sometimes we need to hear these things because I think sometimes they become so, we're so used to them, we don't even think about it anymore. We don't even think about it anymore. And so I think for all of us, we need to be people who are willing to start out maybe this new year with those elementary truths of Christ and study those again. I really hope this year that we make growth a priority because so often we go into that where we do the same thing over and over again and we expect different results at the start of the new year. I think that's insanity. But it's like we all do that. We go into this this is going to be the year and we leave out the most important piece that it really takes focus in order to bring about growth. And for us as followers of Christ, that focus is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus this year because that's where it's going to start but so often we look at Jesus and say this is going to be the year but then all these other things are going on in our lives and pretty soon we raise them up to be more important than God because we say oh this has to be taken care of these things are so important that they have to be taken care of and so I hope this year for us that we are a people that keeps our focused on Christ and look to him and say where, do, where am I lacking in my dependence on you, Father? Where am I falling short? Where am I not keeping you first in my life? What things do I need to bring to the foot of the cross and surrender this year in order to have growth that you're calling me to? I think one of the struggles with growth, with growth is that it's slow. So often we get frustrated because we're the microwave society. We want to pop in do a few Bible readings, say a few prayers, and all of a sudden we've gone from, I don't know where Genesis is in the Bible, to I can quote the whole book of Genesis. Like that's, I think that's our mentality sometimes, that we're just going to jump from one thing to another. And like, that's, that's not it. Growth is going to be slow. And as you walk through growth slowly, I think we learn so much more. We learn so much more. You know, growth is not always evident at first. And I think that's the hard part about it, and that's why we're quick to give up, because we go, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. No matter how hard I'm trying here, nothing is happening. And so we give up. And you see, growth really does take persistence, but it's not persistence that can come from us. It's not persistence that can come from our own self. will. it can only come through allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. That is the only way growth is going to come, and we're going to stay persistent in doing that. You know, I can't tell you how many times in seminary that I went to Father Tom or Father Don or Deacon Karen or Peg and said, I'm over this. I am over these classes. I am, I'm I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. This is a pain. This is a pain. These ordination committees, problems. I don't really feel like doing this. There's a million things going on in the church. I'm over it. And they'd be going, Matthew, keep your eyes fixed. On Jesus, and you're going to get through this. And I'd go, okay, okay. But I needed that reminder. And there was a lot of people that would remind me of that. And guess what? Somehow I made it through. Somehow I made it through all the papers. It was a growth process. It was a growth process in so many areas of my life. And it wouldn't have happened if I continually took my eyes off Jesus. There would have been no way I would have been done with that really quick. And so we really have to think of growth like walking. It's one step at a time. And some of those steps happen really, really slow. So as we go into 2024 and we think about being adopted as children of God and what Jesus has done for us, think about where are you going to invest your time this year? Where are you going to invest your time? There's so many areas that we could be investing our time in. But if we're not investing our time with Jesus and spending time with him, nothing is going to change this year. And we're going to continue to look at the world and feel total despair by the way things are going. But if we're willing to invest our time and say, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? Where do you want me to invest my time? Allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct your life. It will be a very different 2024 than you've experienced in the past. Because it is a struggle each and every day. But when we know that we can fix our eyes on Jesus and we can allow him to move in our lives and direct us, it will be so much better than anything we could have imagined. Still probably going to be hard. There's still going to be a lot of growing pains involved. But I can tell you the end result will be worth it. And that's where I hope we go as a church here at Christ the King, that we're a people that are willing to invest in growing spiritually this year that we're willing to say I'm fully dependent on Jesus and I accept the fact that I am adopted as a son and daughter of the king not by anything I've done but because of what he's done for me and so today I'm going to do something a little different Last time I preached, I talked about the Book of Common Prayer a little bit. And so yesterday I called Father Tom and I said, I'm doing something a little different at communion. And Tom goes, oh no. You know, Father Don goes out of town and Matthew starts changing things. Sorry, Father Don, I'm sure you're watching. But what we're going to do today is we're going to add in, and normally this is a right one kind of thing, and we really have not done it at right one in a long time until today. But we're going to do the Prayer of Humble Access. And so, oh, I knew John would be happy. So it's not something that we really do very often, but in that prayer of humble access, before we receive communion, it says this, We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness. You see, when you come up to this table today, you're not coming up saying, I have been so good this week, I'm going to receive the body of Christ. No, we're going to come up and say, because of how good he is, and because of what he has done for us, that's why we get to come up. And we get to take from the table because we have been adopted as children of God because of his righteousness. And so I want you to think about that today, and we're going to say those words in that prayer. I want you to think about them. Are you coming up to the altar because you think you've really done something great this year? and you can stand before Jesus on your own, are you coming up going, I cannot do this. I am not righteous. But because of what he's done, I can come up to this table, and I can receive communion. So as this last time that we take communion in 2023, I pray that you come up here today totally relying on what Jesus has done for you, and not what you have been doing. And I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I'm just as human as anyone else in this room. And I fall short every single day. And the only reason I can stand up there and celebrate the Eucharist and receive communion is because of what he did, not because of anything Matthew McKenzie has done. So I pray that this really is a year of growth for this church. I pray this is a year that we really take on, that we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the King. And it's because of nothing we've done, but because of his righteousness. Amen.